I went to watch a bare-knuckle boxing fight, and when I arrived, the security guy asked me who I was, and before I could reply, the voice of the organiser went, oh, it's all right, Matt's with us. And I'm not going to lie to you, I walked in thinking, yeah, I'm with them. I felt a foot taller. And I'm saying this because I really understand why young men especially are seduced by the idea of bad men and being in the company of bad men or bad boys. I have no illusions. I was there to do some research. It was an intriguing evening. It was quite a tense atmosphere at times, actually. And it was very violent. I saw one guy's tooth get knocked out of his head. One of the fighters, his tooth flew from one side of the ring to the other. And there was a huge cheer. And I remember thinking, hmm, I'm definitely not one of you. Now, today's guest, I'm actually going to introduce really in two parts. The first is a five-minute recording of a story that he told at a storytelling night that I used to be involved with. And I'm playing it because I want you to hear how the audience bought into him. He's a six foot five, 25 stone man, or he was at the time. And this was a very timid, pleasant middle class audience who didn't quite know what to expect. He tells them that he was a criminal and he's been involved in crime most of his life. He's nervous and you can tell that as well. And the audience are nervous. But within about a minute or so, they realise, oh, actually, this guy's all right. He's got a lot of charisma. He can speak well and he's funny. And it's really interesting how they buy into him, even though he's in, in inverted commas, a bad boy. They really get into it. So the first part of today is a five minute story recorded live at a storytelling event. And it's the true story of the polite car. And Matt keeps saying to me, come and tell a story. Um, when it said on there, five minutes of fame, I thought, well, I can't tell him about me being interviewed on Watchdog for two seconds, that's boring. <laughs> I can't mention that, but crime. He said, maybe you've committed a crime. Well, that fits me perfectly. <laughs> to be totally honest with you, most of my life, I've been involved in crime. My teacher, Mr. Hathaway, is a wanker, or was a wanker, absolute arsehole, I hated him so much. Anyway, he was my history teacher, hated me, um, and he turned out to be a copper afterwards. And, <laughs> the reason he hated me is, he put me in detention, me and my mate Alan Hartley, and uh, he had, uh, do you remember the Reliant Robins, little three-wheelers, we had one of those, and he used to park it in a garage next to the school. Well, after school, we thought it would be a cracking idea, whilst he was giving people detention, to pull it out, put it on its roof and put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what we did. Anyway, my mate Alan Hartley has got a big gob. And he told him that what we, you know, what we had done. But it didn't matter, because he was expelled by now. So it, didn't, it, so it was me that, that got it all. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, police. Turned out to be a copper. Anyway... Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember the, uh, the or any of his the police scanners that you used to be able to get? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we bought a police scanner from Maplin's for about seventy quid, and every night that was our thing. We used to listen to the, what the police were doing, and we used to jump in our car, go there, see what was going on, and then see what else was going on. Go there. We spent a whole night following the police around. <laughs> and one night, Alan Hartley says to me, he says. Well, wouldn't you like to be a copper? No. no, 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 I wouldn't like to be a copper. He goes, no, I've got a really good idea. He goes, we'll go to the auction, we'll go and buy a motor, 
He goes, and uh, we'll do it up as a police car and we'll pretend to be the police. <laughs> so, we go and buy this Voxel Vectra. I mean, this thing was an absolute shitty. We paid 150 quid for it after commission. So, that's after commission, so you can imagine how bad it was. And we get this car and we get some, some blue paint, some yellow paint, and we stripe it all up. And rather, rather than put police on it, we put polite. So we put, so we put polite on it. And we're like, well, well, we haven't got, we haven't got what, a, a, like a, you know, a crest for, for harp, not for harpshire, for harpshire constabulary. Well, what can we do? So, anyway, we, we nipped into Asda, and this is when we're having the conversation. My mate Alan comes out, he's peeled off a disabled badge, off, 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 well, at the toilet, right? So he goes, well, we'll use this as the crest. So, uh, so we plonk it on the car, we got it all painted up, it looked, it looked terrible. We dressed, we, we went into a charity shop, bought suits, because, you know, we didn't, we didn't get police uniforms, we bought suits, because, you know, we're undercover, aren't we? And, uh, and, uh, and we, have, we have a clipboard, and we get this clipboard, <laughs> and, and, and this, this is how we stop people, and we start asking questions and so forth. Anyway, he said, well, now we've got this car, what are we going to do? I says, well, I don't know. He said, we've got to do something. He says, well, and he made this game up. It was called Snooker. So basically, you would say, well, you go for a red. So you've got to pull a red car. So we had, we had oh yeah, that was the other thing. We had the, the blue flashing lights that we bought from Argos. Not, not for road use, £14.99. And um, we put these on top of the motor. And we're driving along and we're pulling cars. And we had like a, a CB that had, a, that had sirens on it. And <laughs> so anyway... So somebody who, who didn't know what the crack was, we were the police. <laughs> so there we are, we're, we're floating down the road, we, 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 we go, woo, 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 pull the red car, person gets out, laughs their tits off, and we're, everything's fine. And now you've got to go for a colour. So we nominate, we go off, you've got to go for a yellow, or you've got to go for blue, and then go to red, and eventually go to black. Anyway, this got really, this got really, really boring. After about, probably, I would say... About three days, <laughs> we got really bored. And he said, well, why don't you pull a police car? <laughs> so, well, I'm up for a laugh. You know? So, it can't go wrong. If a police car sees another police car, well, what they think is a police car, flashing lights behind them with sirens, telling them to pull into a lay-by, they're going to pull into a lay-by. So they did, they pulled into the lay-by. <laughs> And it was that fucking arsehole, Mr. Hathaway. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Hathaway, he's already got it in for me. And uh, anyway, he takes the car off us. He says, you can get this car back for £150 plus, plus charges every day that it's in the compounds for. Have you got insurance? Well, I'm a motor, well, I'm a motor trader, so yeah, I've got, I've got insurance. So that was fine, no problem. Has it got MOT? Oh, I didn't check that before I bought it. All right, so no, it didn't have MOT. <clears throat> and it was it was taxed, but uh, I got fined for that. And um, anyway, this was in the paper. <laughs> so the second part of today's podcast is an interview with the guy you've just heard. And we discuss the importance of looking the part and fronting out situations. Because if you look and sound the part sometimes, that can really work to your advantage. This guy was a doorman for 15 years and said that he wasn't really suited to it. That deep down he knew that he was a coward. Which I actually don't really believe, but I know what he means. Certainly compared to other people. I think he means that he wasn't prepared to be as brutal as perhaps you need to be. He talks about how easy it is to, to get into crime, how tempting it is. 
and the the part that image plays in it all really as he said he was a big noise in another town but in his hometown he was considered just an ordinary bloke i find it really interesting actually and it just goes to show you can't judge anybody can you really by by how they look you never know what somebody's really thinking and throughout this process it struck me that all the former criminals as i call them that i've met they've all been very different they've all looked and sounded different and some of the most mellow chilled out people have done some of the most violent things and some of the most violent looking people have actually said to me nah it was all a front right i used to work at the door and uh I was in, um, there's a group of about six of us, well there were six of us, I was token white guy and uh, we were there going around different towns and our job was just to, um, to, to, clear, to clear trouble of drugs, to clear people of like, gang, gang problems, basically just to be naughty arseholes, just to clear shit. Now, you know, in my own town, I'm considered a pussy, but... When it come down, to, when it come down to it, when you're six foot six and you're 25 stone, you're intimidating to anybody. And um, you know, if you put on a bit of a front and you go, "I am the big I am," people are going to listen. They're going to think you're going to think you've got a bit of clout. So that's what I did really. Just I was part of clearing venues of shit. But but it was a legal thing. Did they employ you on the books, or was it just like? No, no, no. Didn't employ me on the books. We got paid probably four or five hundred quid a night um, and literally we had carte blanche to do what we want if we meant we had to to slap people about or if it meant we just basically had to clear the venue of any issues any drugs and we could do it whatever way we wanted okay or was it for the same person who was employing you or was no. it just that you got a reputation yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I, I worked for a firm a security firm and um, so he Basically, the guy who owned a firm had the contacts and he just asked us to do them. Or we did that, we did debt collecting, we did all sorts of different things. Okay. And what about, did it ever go wrong? One place in Glasgow, we weren't, we weren't really a match for the people we were playing with. They were, um, they were dif- different level, different level. Um, and to be honest with you, we were so far away from home that... Uh, we couldn't have called upon help if we needed it because we were 300 miles away or so, you know. Okay, so so, so what happens? So, so you turn up then at a place that has a reputation and you try and take charge and you just realise that you're outnumbered or out... Not outnumbered. We just realised that people we were playing with were pretty much a step ahead. Pretty much a step ahead. We were... Well, I say we were. They were. The people I was with knew what they were doing. I was there to make up the numbers and just because I was a big geezer... I was involved in what they were doing. Um, I got too deep in it, to be honest with you. I'm not the kind of person that that really that 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 warranted being in that that kind of network, that kind of um, scenario. I was a much more pleasant, more polite person. But the people I was with, they would uh, they would shoot you. They were naughty people. Okay, but how, so how does a nice guy then who's pleasant get involved with people like that? How does that work? I started working the doors when I was 18 years old. I was big, thought I was something a bit clever, and uh, I wanted to try and show off. And I tried to do it in a town. The thing is, I couldn't do it in the town that I was from. In the town I'm from, I'm just Dave. Do you know what I mean? So in a different town, 
I ain't just Dave. In a different town, I am whoever I portray myself to be. And I got that was the reason I got into the doors because I could never be somebody in the town I'm from because I was always pleasant and polite to people. Um, but in a new town, I can. It's a blank canvas for me to set up. This is this is who I am. This is what I'm about. And that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people give it the big I am give it I'm this I'm that when it comes down to to the crunch they're fuck all they're nothing um, so yeah that, I mean to answer your question how did I get involved in it saw it in a job centre I was told to get a job or uh, or pay my way in the house I thought I'll get a job didn't want to get a proper job because I'm too lazy um, <laughs> so I worked at doors I thought hang on a minute I suit the criteria I'm big I know some some people that are lively and uh yeah, people aren't going to argue with someone who's six foot six and twenty on stone. It's a it's a given. I wouldn't argue if I was five foot seven. I ain't going to argue with someone who's six foot six, twenty five stone. It's stupid. Look, a good big one will always be a good little one. Was it ever frightening though? Of course it was frightening. You don't show you frightened though. Yeah, it was frightening, but you don't show you frightened. Um, What's the most frightened you've been? Uh, most frightened I've been. <sighs> difficult to say. There's been many scenarios. Having knives pulled out of me, uh, people threatening threatening with all sorts of tools, people turning up, you know, in groups of people, and you're thinking, "Fuck, I've really, I've, I've done something wrong here. I don't deserve to be in this situation." And uh, you have to try. You have to make sure the person you got to make sure the person that's with you is actually. I I, I was different. I if if some if somebody got himself into a situation, and they relied on me, the person they're with, to pick them up off the floor, because ultimately the only person that's going to pick you up off the floor if something goes pear-shaped is the geezer you're working with, is the other doorman. Now, I wasn't that kind of breed. I wasn't that kind of breed. I was, I portrayed myself to be, but I wasn't. And uh, so I had to be, rest, I had to rest assured that the person that I worked with was what he said he was, and that if shit hit the fan, he would be there to cover my ass if I needed him to. It never happened, but that's what would have had, you know, would have had it needed to happen. Well, so you were lucky then, really. Oh, very lucky. Blimey! And how, how long did you work the doors for then? Fifteen years. Wow. <laughs> fifteen years. Yeah, of, fif- of... fifteen years. Yeah, fifteen years. I mean, I would say probably three, four nights a week. It wasn't. It was only part time. Um, it started off good money. It started off at three, four, five hundred quid a night. And then by the time I finished, it was all about badges. It was all about, you know, you can do this legally. Whereas before, the people who used to work the doors with used to be generally quite handy because the people that worked the doors were the people that were the people that would go around beating people up, that would uh, that would do things they shouldn't be doing, whether it be armed robbery, whether it be GBH, whether it be oh whatever. But towards the end, it became all regulated, and the people that could work the door, couldn't any longer work the door. So you're working with Imran, who's been in the country for two days. He can't speak a word of English, but he's got a clean, a clean bill of health to go and pass himself a license. Whereas, whereas Tony, who's been done for GBH, attempted murder, and whatever else, else he's done, can't get a badge because he doesn't follow, he doesn't meet the criteria to get the badge. Okay. And what you're saying then is, is that you want the guy. Uh who has committed robbery or GBH to be your Look, wingman? Put it this way: 
Right. If you've got if you've got a child, let's say you've got a daughter, say she's 18 years old, she's going out on a night out. Do you want Imran, who's fresh in the country, who's wet behind the ears, who's never worked a day in his life on the doors, looking after your daughter, or do you want Tony, who is very good with his fists, looking after your daughter? Who do you want looking after your daughter? Well, I guess the guy who can do it the best. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That that's interesting. Did did um did you ever see any crime sort of you know as a doorman you must see an awful lot. I mean, it's a dodgy question. See a to lot us. of drugs. A lot of drugs. Uh, give him, you give him two choices if there's drugs um, well I gave him two choices it was literally a case of listen mate we can throw it down the toilet and uh, you can um, you can get lost come back again next week pretend nothing's ever happened or we can call the gathers the police or we can call the police and uh, you'll be banned from here for life and people would normally choose the first option get rid of it then then come back again and then you know if they were going to do it again hopefully they wouldn't get caught but you uh, you seemed you, then you've got a rapport with a person. The person thought, "Hang on a minute, he could call the old Bill." He decided not to. So actually, they think he's all right. He's all right. He's just he's done his job, but also he's given me a lifeline. And uh, so I saw a lot of drugs. Um, I saw one, one one I saw was naughty when I first started. Do you know the um, the the big ale glasses that have got like little little windows in them that look like do you know the ones I mean yeah right so one of those a geezer smashed one of those so literally he was holding the handle and half the glass right so so yeah just just half the glass he's holding it and he's 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 striped someone up the side of the face and pulled off half of their half of their cheek and I saw that probably in the first two weeks of me working the door and I thought I ain't cut out for this but also. It made me a little bit more like I've seen this now, and uh, and I just feel like I'm I'm a uh, I'm I'm growing in something I'm not. Okay. So it's yeah I've seen I've seen violence. Um, I've also seen it as well when people take the piss out of doormans. Yeah, of doormen. You know, I had I had one 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 fella who was a uh, it was it was who looked the part. When it came down to it, he were he he weren't mustard. He was nothing, wasn't he? He, he? he looked the part, but absolute coward. Even more so than myself. I started off being a coward. I ended up being somebody, but then I'd come home. I'd be in my own hometown, and I'm not anybody. I'm just uh, I'm just a regular Joe. But when I worked in the town that I worked in, I was somebody, and I think that's what encourages people to do criminal activities because they don't start off as say a drug dealer they they have to work at it they lose their morals quickly and um, and things things develop in as little as a month you know you'll watch someone serving up you know once a week to him and his mate and then a month later he's, he's into the money too much he realises if he gets his mate and his, he's paying 80 quid rather than 100 quid. So he's making 20 quid out of his mate. So now he's buying three lots of it. He's making 20 quid. He's getting his for nothing because he's selling the other one. And all of a sudden he's buying an ounce. Now he's knocking out to people. He's the geezer sitting under the stairs. Mate, it's, it's, just, it's just a vicious circle. And in every every aspect of crime, that's um, that's really what I, that's what I see. Now, whether I'm right or I'm wrong, I haven't got a clue. But that's what I see. But then, see, but then you were never tempted into crime because you. I mean, for well, 
you know, I get the impression you're on the periphery of crime. You've done a few things that are, you know, that I mean, the polite car always makes me laugh, but also the massage chair. Can you tell me that? I'll tell you about the massage chair. Yeah. All right. First, I want to say the polite car was actually was actually someone else's idea. I wasn't clever enough to come up with that. That was someone else's idea. Um, but you know, um, but the, the massage chair was a. Uh, yeah, that was me coming back from um, from a, from a night work in the door. Went on the massage chair, put a quid in, sat there, and my pal's gone to me. I worked the door with. He said, "Are you thinking what I'm thinking?" And I'm looking at him. I said, "I'm not thinking anything. I'm just thinking this is quite nice." And he goes, "No, are you thinking what I'm thinking? This is really nice. This will go really well in your front room." And then I looked at him and said, "You know what? I'm thinking what you're thinking." And then uh, we nicked it. We nicked the massage chair, and it was in my old dear's house until about four years ago but how did you nick it though you can't just pick it up and steal it that's exactly what I did so just lifted it up two, the two of two. us two of us lifted it and walked out of it and no one said a word well I don't know it was about three o'clock in the morning oh okay wow <laughs> it's just, it just a case of being real brazen we had we had a bit of you know we just we just thought yeah we'd do that it was a laugh. It was more of a laugh than anything else. We did. We thought about the consequences after. We thought, oh shit, we're going to get ourselves in a bit of bother now. Ultimately, we didn't care, but it was funny. And what did your mum say when you brought it home? Like, or she found it? This is this is quite a nice chair. Where'd you get it from? Right. And then she asked me why it had a thing on the side where you put pound coins in it. <laughs> and then we had to explain to her what we'd done, and that's really nothing else was ever said about it. So at that that point she was so relaxed, I suppose. Oh yeah, thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was she was uh, she was having the old caboodle on her neck, her back. Her, she didn't care. She didn't care. Wow. Um, no, she didn't care. Of course she cared. But you know, it's uh, once it's done, it's done. Do you know what I mean? So if it had come on top, it had come on top. Yeah. And um, what about the fruit machine? The fruit machine. I used to have a problem with playing on gambling machines, and it's one day I um. I put 100 quid in the fruit machine, lost a lot, probably only 100 quid out on me, I think I had about 2 quid left, and uh, I was in um, in, the back of my, in the back of my van, there was a tr- sack barrow, trolley, and um, I put high vis on, and to this day, I don't know why, I put a hard hat on to go into a pub, anyway, so I put a hard hat on, a high vis on, it looked like I was going to a scrapyard, anyway, so I wasn't, I had that, I had my trolley, and I said to the woman, excuse me love, I'm just, uh, just swapping the machines over, Put the machine to the back of my van, fucked off, and that was it. I made myself my hundred quid back and about six hundred quid more. <laughs> and I sold a fruit machine to fifty quid from a geezer in the next street to me. But you stopped any sort of activity now, though, haven't you? Yeah, I have totally. Um, my mind, my mindset's changed, Matt. To be honest with you, it's uh, I've had things going in my life that um, that just change change your mindset. You know, it's. Um, you start to realise that okay, it's all fun while it while it while it's going well, but let me tell you, it comes on top. It comes on top because um, if you've got some mush, some man who uh, who serves up a bit of a uh, bit of gear, he can do it on a small scale. When it comes to big scale, there's going to be a time where someone's going to grass him up because they're going to want his territory. The same applies to any aspect of crime. So, whilst it lasts, whilst it's going smooth. It's fun. When it goes Pete Tong, then you're in the shit. Then you've either got to lie, which I have done in the past, or 
you've got to take take it on the chin and go, yeah, I'll go with it. I got arrested for owning stolen goods, um, which was, you know, don't know if I should be telling you this this or not, but it was true. I did do it. Um, I was lucky. I got no further action, but that was a learning curve. I thought to myself, the geez, two of the geezers, they got, one got six years, one got four years. They looked at me as a ringleader, or not ringleader, but somebody who was buying from them. So they wouldn't have had a purpose to do what they're doing unless I'm buying and um, so I was looking at more time um, and then I really thought to myself is what I'm doing worth the consequences I was small time I was but gradually I was building myself further up and I thought to myself nah this ain't for me um, but Matt it's a mugs game let me tell you it's a mugs game and I'll tell that to anybody now I think differently I wouldn't have told you this five years ago I would have told you yeah it's great it's brilliant it's a mugs game. Even nicking a fruit machine? It's a mugs game. And a massage machine? It's a mugs game. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? But it's I funny. Guess. It is funny. But it's funny. It shouldn't be. But I mean, I'm, I'm not... No, 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 no. I wouldn't... I wouldn't. Look, if, if if one of my kids had said to me, oh, yeah, I've nicked a fruit machine, i nicked a massage chair, I would think you shouldn't be doing that. I'd be thinking differently to to myself for me doing it before. I'd be like... But I'd be thinking to myself, that is funny. But I'd be thinking, you're an idiot. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And uh, no amount of money is worth getting yourself in trouble. Lose, losing losing potentially years of your life. You go to prison, you get banged up for a five stretch. In that, you're probably only going to do half of that time. So you're going to do two and a half years. But in that two and a half years, something naughty can happen to your family. You could lose a member of your family. You could lose a friend. If you're stuck inside, um, the world doesn't stop for you. The world carries on. You're, but you're incarcerated, unable to do what you need to do to make things happen. And um, it's a lot more serious, in my opinion, than people give it credit for. Well, not so much credit, but recognition for. Sure, yeah. So you had a lucky escape, really, then? I had a massively lucky escape. Yeah. And I, I wasn't... I look, I could tell you, I could make you meet many people that haven't had a lucky escape. They're still involved in it, they're still active. They're so far into it, they can't get out of it. Now, okay, I never got into it per se, but what I did experience, and the people I met, I um, moulded me as a person, firstly. They moulded, they, they, they've, they've taught me that morals, that... Like I've told you before, I've, I've, I've told you, but boy, about morals, emotion, courtesy, truthfulness, all of this stuff comes in. We can use in abundance. It means so much more than uh, than not using it. It never runs out. But you know, when you live in this life, you don't realise. You don't realise. Um, and it's all about money. And money actually means nothing. But you know, it's a. Uh, what would you rather have? Would you rather have your missus safe and well? Or would you rather have underground? Yeah. It's a given. You're going to choose your missus. Why, yeah. why would you want the underground? Yeah, absolutely. The underground's going to be great for two months, and then you put it all goes up the swanny. You spend it all, and um, and then you've got nothing left to show for it. So, yeah, I've had a lucky escape, um, but I wouldn't change anything. Wouldn't change anything because um, because everything that has happened has happened for a reason, and it's moulded me into who I am today. Now. I might be saying that because I'm not what the thing is the thing is Matt more to the point I thought I was something not in my own town in my own town I was nothing I was just a regular Joe 
In another town, where people didn't know who I was, I thought I was something. We used to go around debt collecting, picking up money from, from travelling sites or from drug dealers or from whatever, because when you give when you when you give out 120 grand or something to somebody, you can hardly call up a bailiff's firm and go, "Excuse me, um, Mr. Smith owes me 120 grand and he hasn't paid it to me." You can't do that to a bailiff's firm. So what you got to do? You got to call people that have got a little bit of clout about them. Again, I looked the part, so people chose me. So. I um, we used to go around collecting debts, whether it be people that spent money on drugs, people spent money on plant machinery, all sorts of stuff, you know. And uh, you know, and people have people have been kidnapped, people have been taken and put in the back of cars, people have been had shooters pointed to their heads. That's no way to live live your life. There there was something that happened. I pulled I pulled up just near my town. It wasn't in my town, but it was near my town, and. Um, for the next three months, I didn't leave my house. I was too shit scared. Now that ain't something to have over it. No, some people ain't gonna be shit scared. Some people are gonna be of the feeling, oh yeah, I can deal with it. I couldn't deal with it. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't. Oh no, I couldn't. I, I, well, I, yeah, I, I, I couldn't. I've tried and I couldn't. Um, yeah, and like you got your. Yeah, I was at the time I was living with my mum, and she was saying to me, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" I couldn't tell her the truth. So what's wrong? Still couldn't tell her the truth. And I had to live with that every day, and um, yeah, it was it, it was painful. And um, it's uh, to be honest with you, if these criminals look in the mirror, what's looking back at them is a fucking dickhead. To be honest with you, they do not realise what it is. Don't get me wrong, it's all glorified, it's romanticised, it's all brilliant, there's always bravado, with this, with that. You're nothing, you're nothing. If you're selling drugs, the chances are, some way, somewhere down the line, whether, you, whether you've started or whether you're up the tree, you're going to be selling to a 14-year-old kid. Now, that 14-year-old kid's got their life ahead of them, you've just put them in a circle of drugs. That's what you're doing. You're responsible for that. Now, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? I, I wouldn't. I, I just. I've never been involved in drugs, but criminal world now is is littered with drug dealers. That's what it's about now. It's not about villainy, about old school stuff. About oh yeah, the great train robbery or or this or that. The only, the only one I've heard recently is the Hatton Garden robbery. And uh, yeah, other than that, what else is there? Oh, okay. Bring a bring a few people into the country that shouldn't be here. Sell some drugs. Um, it's just that the consequences now are um, are not worth it, and um, not just that, but Big Brothers everywhere. You know, you got cameras on the end of every street corner. You got cameras on lampposts. You got cameras in shops. You got cameras in in flipping dashboards in cars now. You can't hide from the law. There's something following you. <laughs> you go on Facebook or something. There's 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 someone doing something. You know, things are videoed now. If someone thinks something's funny, they video it. But what they don't realise is they're incriminating someone. Yeah. And um, and I don't want to be part of that, ever. I don't want my kids to be part of that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just... Um, I feel... I feel saddened. I feel saddened that, that... that people find it necessary to do that kind of thing. I feel the same as every other person that may 
that may listen to what you've got to say feels. You know, I've been a little bit closer than they have probably, but ultimately I feel the same because because uh, it's not nice. You know, there are people in my phone book that would would, would would kill you for a thousand quid, that would that would put a knife in you for fifty quid, that that would find someone to shoot you, that people that are just not nice people. But I keep them close to my chest. I keep them in my phone book because I never know when I'm going to need that person. But actually, they're no good to me. They're not people I want around me. They're not people I choose to have around me. Do you think they know that as well, though? If they don't, they're dickheads. So they would know then. Look, if they don't, Matt, they're dickheads. If you go, look, if you think it's acceptable to go around stabbing someone for fifty quid, hundred quid. Are you a decent person? Will you look at yourself in the mirror and go, you know what, what's in front of me is a decent person? Bollocks. If you heard matey boy had just stabbed someone you know for a 50 quid, 100 quid, you're going to think he's an arsehole. Oh, yeah. What makes you any different? Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. I'm just, wow. Uh, but it's just, just, it is what it is. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for listening today. I really do appreciate it. As always, I'm going to ask that if you did like the podcast, if you can tell people about it, share it on social media. That would mean an awful lot to me. If you could take a couple of minutes to go to iTunes and leave a review there and some comments, that would be very much appreciated. All I want is for people just to hear these stories and for the podcast to get out there. I'm gathering momentum now, so thank you for all the support you've been giving me. I appreciate it. I have some great interviews coming up as well so i very much look forward to to bringing those to you and i actually i i just can't wait for every sunday um i'm loving the journey and i hope that you're enjoying it too thank you very much